This is a Broad Pods production. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Danny Riley. And I'm Dan Riley, and together we run Manamade. In this podcast, we have decided that we wanted to dive a little bit deeper into some of the things that mean more to us that we weren't able to share within the web series. We've got a little bit more time up our sleeves. We're going to have some killer guests in throughout the series, some amazing experts, and really talk about what's important to us on the journey to build our dream home. For Dan and I, building a home that was as sustainable as possible was our number one priority. So in each episode, we will also highlight these features as a standalone topic. We know that the most important part of a house is when it actually becomes your home. So in each episode of the pod, Dan and I will be giving you a sneak peek into these intimate spaces that made our house a home for us. Welcome to All Manner of Things, the podcast. As we know, this pod is an extension of the web series that we've created around the build of our Blairgowrie house. A big build it was. And in this episode today, we're going to touch on what a mammoth episode episode eight is of the web series. So much going on, Dan. Yeah, I think we've labelled episode eight the big day. We <laughs> had everything going on. We had water tanks getting delivered. We had the rendering happening internally. We had plumbers on site, the sparkies fitting off. We had the joiners on site. The fire, you know, the fireplace got delivered. Yeah. And I had a plaster running around touching up some minor defect work. Plus, I got the pool base done. And I decided that it would be a good day to have a big delivery of plants. Why did you do that? <laughs> God knows. And there's even a bit of, oh, you're talking about painting. Yeah, there was a lot going on. Yes, Dan, it was a huge day. And I feel like there's a collection of these big days in every project as all the finishing touches start to come together. As we said, the plastering, the painting, the rendering, all those bits and pieces. But for me, the biggest story is actually how the home is going to come together in terms of living, what the living environment is going to be like and how we're going to feel once we eventually move into the house. So that got me thinking about who would be the best person to speak to us about this. And today we are joined by Rath, who is a building biologist from Ecolibria. Now, thank you so much for joining us, Raf. We really appreciate your time today. No worries. Raf, I've got the big question straight off the top, mate. Explain to me what is a building biologist? What do you actually do? Yeah, so it's a question we get asked all the time. And to put it simply, we basically look at environmental triggers to illness in a building. So it encompasses a lot. We look at electromagnetic fields, you're sleeping behind a meter box, Mm. as well as new chemicals that are off-gassing from all the new paints and carpets and things, as well as mold and moisture and so on. But there's so many different triggers in the environment. So building biologists look at the building as a whole, 
and say, look, this could be an issue or this is how we could be healthier and so on, but also the impact of materials and the build on the environment. Uh-huh. So low impact on the environment and on the people yeah, living in there. And Raph, is there a big shift in our industry right now that people are probably more going down this path than they ever have before? Definitely. I mean, I've been doing this about 16 years now. And oh, wow. Very, very quiet when I started. I was going to say, it was about 16 years ago. It was ago. a side hustle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, in uh, in Europe, it, it's been around since 1971. Hasn't everything really been around yeah. forever in Europe? They're yeah. smart, those Europeans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so a long time. But in Australia, probably I was amongst the first graduates, you know, from the college here that's where you can study. Mm. And so, yeah, 16 years um, it was very quiet. No one knew what a building purpose mm-hmm. was. And still plenty of people don't. Yeah. But a lot more do and being requested in terms of we want a building biologist. We mm. didn't even know what that was before. What you've just said about from the college here. So I'm actually looking at studying this and mind blown about the limited offerings around studying this in Australia. Yep. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the, the college here that was set up by a very passionate lady, Nicole, yeah. um, she... She's been she, on Healthy Homes before as well, actually. Yes, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So she runs it and has done a great job in in basically making that a better and better course over yeah. the years. It was only available in Germany, only in wow. German, and so everyone was getting translations and doing whatever, but she yeah, developed something here and, yeah, it's it's taken off to a degree. Yeah. So, Raph, for a client, is it simply the easiest way to put it, we hire a building biologist to make our lives healthier? To in, live better? Is that how it is? In the building. In, yeah. Within so, the building that you're living in. Within yeah. the building. That's exactly right. Yeah. So we want buildings to enhance your well-being as opposed to impact your health in mm. some way. So yeah. instead of trying to minimise the impact on your health, we say, no, it should be more than that. Yeah. You should love going home. You should love the colours. You should love the lighting. You should love the, the feeling, the air, the everything mm. in there. It's electrically quiet and so it enhances your focus, your well-being not just something where you go, oh, can we have slightly less chemicals or less mould? And I think, you know, there's this misconception out there that people get sick or are unhealthy because of the outside environment. And I would argue that it is actually not true and it is the environment that you are in the most that is most likely going to make you sick or affect your um, way of life. Mm. That's exactly right. There are always, you know, caveats for that where you're living in a highly polluted area and so on. Exactly. But most of the time, exactly right, the indoor air and the indoor environment Mm. is significantly more polluted and toxic. Seven to ten times more polluted indoors than outdoors. Wow. Yes. That's a lot. It is a lot. It is a lot, which is why in this build, for example, I was so passionate and really pushed to have the uh, ducted heating and cooling system that we have, which has a four-stage air filtration uh, system as part of it. So we have the opportunity to filter out pollutants and particles and smells and whatnot from Mm. the air to enhance what we're breathing in. Yeah, so for a new home, I, I get it, you'd, you'd hire a building biologist, but Raph, for someone who's living in a, an existing home, can they still implore you to try and improve their living? Yeah, absolutely. There's so much you can do. You know, whether you're doing a big renovation or small renovation or not doing any reno at all and just go, look, what, what's wrong and how can we do little fixes? Mm. Mould and moisture, you know, we all go on about it all the time because it's, it's such a big problem in Australian buildings. They just, a lot are not built that well to mm. cope for that type of thing or built too well and then not enough ventilation and they mm. explode and the high energy stuff. So, yeah, there, there are things, simple things you can do, simple fixes, 
or buying certain products or supporting certain companies where they just have better product and mm. so the indoor air quality will be better. I remember growing up as a kid, it was the, the association I had to a clean home was the smell of bleach. Mm. <laughs> Literally, a potentially cancer-causing mm. product was yep. what I associated mm. with a clean home environment. Yep. Yeah, that's bad. Isn't that wild? Yeah. And what Raph just said, then I'm just thinking about when we owned an apartment, I just remember the condensation mm-hmm. every morning that was going into the skirting boards and all of that, and, and that could be building up mould behind there. And we're breathing it in when we're sleeping. Yeah, exactly. Mould just needs... Too, a lot of moisture. So if there's elevated moisture, more than what's in balance, mm. then you get issues. Basically, as a building biologist, maybe an easier way to explain is we look at nature as our standard. So rather looking at exposure standards, whatever, we look at nature and mm. say, okay, what would the formaldehyde level be out there? Mm. What's the air quality out there apart from a polluted area? Mm. And say, so what colours are, are out there. Why don't we have those colours inside? Um, you've actually you know, just blown my mind. Nature is the actual benchmark. Yeah, that's right. That, that's <laughs> what building biologists look at and say, nature's our standard and how do we get as close to that as possible? Wow, wow, wow. wow. There you go. <laughs> We're all screwed. Yeah. <laughs> we have drifted a little bit. Yeah. We, we have drifted a little bit. <laughs> we bring the ocean into our home. <laughs> Treehouse <laughs> yeah, on yeah. the beach side. That is where we need to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Now, also, I have heard in the past, I can't remember if it was you who told me or not, when small children are always have their runny noses and sick and whatnot, it's because of um, the dust mite and they're constantly kicking up and that level of dust mite kicking up into the air when we're walking is generally the height of a small toddler, for example. So those, the dust mites and the allergens that are constantly in the air are at that height and that's why there's always this constant idea of children have runny noses and coughs and colds and stuff like that and the doctor always says they'll grow out of it because they physically will grow out of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there are a lot of allergens but to a degree there's also a balance in that you do don't want the home too clean yep. because then there's you a lot of good bacteria that, that's around that we do need to be exposed to when we're yes. young and so on. But certainly the dust mites, as you say, that's not something we want elevated levels of. We have to live with them. They're, they're mm. essential. Yep. Um, but, yeah, you need to keep the levels normal, yeah. uh, if you will, not not elevated. And so if you've got a lot more carpets and a lot more fabric stuff and therefore create a lot of more, mm. more dust. Mm. Especially when we do air sampling. When we take an air sample and lands on a slide and they look in the microscope, it's always skin cells that are dominant. Well, that's what, what the dust the might air. feed on. And wow. they feed on that exactly. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> when you look at it and you go, is there is there pollen, is there mould, is there all these things? But it's always skin cells that, that dominate that slide. And so yeah. whatever feeds all that. And they feed off that, so you want it. But if there's damp and moisture, those numbers just go up and then the allergens come and so on. And some people are just more susceptible than others. There are things, though, like that we can do inside the home. If we're we're talking in retrospect, we're in a a built home, we've lived in this home for a period of time, there are things that we can do to enhance that environment. So the things that I know of that I would love for you to add to, Raph, is definitely air purifiers in the home. Is that in the AC system? No, standalone no. air purifiers. Oh, you know how we used yes, to have them in yes. all of our own homes? We yep. would have one in every second mm-hmm. room. So, for example, companies are selling out now. It's so hard to come by good quality air purifiers that also have the HEPA 
filter in them, which is the hospital grade filtration component to it. So that's that's the big one that you need. Is that right? The HEPA? Yes, exactly. Or the HEPA yeah. grade? So HEPA, hospital grade, you know, it sounds great. It's not that hard to get a sort of hospital grade HEPA, but you're exactly right. That's that's the best grade to have just yep. because it gets the finer particles. Like mm. some people don't realise, I didn't realise before I studied, was that the tiny particles, not going too technical, but the micron size, which is minute, like you can't see it mm. at all, under 10 micron is what is what dominantly makes up what's in the air. Wow. So the stuff you can see makes up a tiny portion of, of what's in the air, like over, over sort of 90%, 98% is mm. stuff that you, you're not going to see at all. Yeah. So the HEPA will, exactly, it will block out, filter out those things. So just draw in the air. Very simple technology, really. I mean, it's just drawing in air. Mm. There's a filter there, blocks it out and blows cleaner air out the back. Yeah. So, but yes, if people don't ventilate as much, just your daily living is going to create mould and pollen and skin cells. And if those skin cells don't go out, then yes, all the dust mites come and so on and their allergens are in the air. So yes, an air purifier can certainly help. Is it a band-aid fix though? To a degree, probably. To to a degree, Mm. exactly. So if you're in a highly polluted area or polluted area, it's good to have it. Mm. But like where you choose to live also is quite a big thing. So if you're in a, an area that, that has good air quality, you're near a forest or by the ocean and or sea breezes coming off the ocean, then again, we look at nature. We say, well, just open the window and yeah. mm. let's get in that, that fresh air. Let's not get a man-made thing or human-made thing to, 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 to change it in some way. Yeah. Mm. Um, but if there's a big call for, for air purifiers because... A lot of people don't have that luxury, don't yeah. live in those places. And, and you schools. Need those purif- and schools. Schools, businesses, all of those types of things. Exactly. That's where it's really helpful because you've got a lot of people in a closed space yep. and you're drawing in air that's fairly polluted and it just keeps getting recycled a lot of the time if there's no outdoor air intake. Mm. And then, yes, the problems come. So, yeah, air purifiers are a good thing to have, generally speaking, if required, but not essential if you've got generally quite good Because also think about the other things that you're doing inside the home. So you're contributing to the lived environment in the home through the chemicals that you're using. You're spraying deodorant, perfume, mm. household cleaners that are laden with synthetic fragrance and other chemicals. All of that is going into the home's air and you're breathing that in. So it's going in for your, into your system. So if you're in an environment, as Raf said, that you know doesn't have the ability to have filtered air coming into the home or fresh air coming into the home, then that's where that can enhance, yeah, I absolutely. guess, your living environment. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because you're, you're right. All your choices you make, yeah. and that's why I said I don't have to do a reno, you don't have to have a new build. You just go, don't buy those products there. Mm. You don't need this, this massive range of cleaning product. Just a good microfiber, range of microfiber cloths, yep. mm. a good HEPA vacuum cleaner. Yep. That can take care of a lot. You mm. just don't need all that stuff. Yeah, it's not necessary. Just lift the contaminant off with the microfiber cloth yep. and it's gone. You've left a clean surface. When you spray, you leave a film on there. They have brighteners in and whatever, so you think it's shiny and, and looks nice, but it leaves a film on there and makes bacteria and other things a lot easier to adhere and come back more quickly. Yep. So you want a nice microfiber cloth that just removes it, leaves a dry surface, it'll come back a lot a lot less. It's pretty Imagine, amazing, imagine if it? we got the education out there, all these companies would be We're done. Trying. Yeah, We're trying. We're <laughs> trying. But that's <laughs> when I, I can, yeah. now, because we've reduced the level of tox that we use in our home and chemical we use in our home, I am more hypersensitive 
when I smell it or come into contact with it. So, for example, I can smell different washing yeah. liquids and yeah. powders on other people's clothes. Well, when we go to I go into homes. a home, mm. I can smell their Cleaner. their cleaners in yeah. their homes. It smacks you in the face. It does smack you in the yeah. face, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're finding people are more and more sensitised. Yeah. We don't know the exact reasons why, and it's usually a whole bunch of things. Mm. But there are so many more chemically sensitive people. There are mm. so many more who get so much more autism, these other things you wouldn't link. But a lot of environmental stuff that we think is a contribution in terms of the environment. And that's what we're finding. If you're away from it, then yes, suddenly yeah. it's a hell of a strong, you know, softeners are probably, in my opinion, one of the most toxic things. Oh my you gosh, can get aren't they softener. so bad? So unnecessary. So bad. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's such a, like a yeah. luxury thing. Have softer clothes. Yeah, well, actually, you don't really need, need that. Like, yeah, don't crazy. need it. And you can, vinegar's a very good softener and it doesn't smell like vinegar if you yeah. just add a bit in there. Um, and, you know, it's next to nothing in terms of cost. Mm. But those, mm. when, when something has a fragrance, it's a very big mixture of mm. chemicals to make up that fragrance. Exactly it could be right. hundreds of chemicals. It could be 10 or 20 or whatever, but you're breathing in a whole bunch of chemicals to just have a particular fragrance. And again, mm. that's not nature. You know, no. nature, you want nature's fragrance, not, not stuff. <laughs> so during matter. lockdown, yes. <laughs> I made Dan sit down and watch that documentary or that I guess it's a documentary called Stink, yeah. um, where they – do you remember, Dan, where um, the, the the small child was constantly getting sick and the smell, the off-gassing of the clothes that were coming from uh, a certain yeah. store mm. were overwhelming. Mm. And so then the parent went on this journey of understanding – why Why do you have this? Why is this packaged like this? Why does this smell like it does? What are you putting on my toddler's mm. clothes to smell like this when it comes out of the store or when I receive the parcel? And that was a mind-blowing thing to watch, to understand about fragrance and synthetic mm. fragrance and what goes into it and how unnecessary it is. And if we bring it back to a new home, for example, and why I'm so passionate about Australian made, when we order anything from overseas, it has to be fumigated. Is it fumigated? Is yeah, that what they yeah. do? They treat it for whatever bugs or whatever mm. environmental things they have going on. It will come... It will sit in your home, so think about a couch or a rug, for mm -hmm. example, and it will off-gas for like a minimum of six months. So whatever the actual chemicals are that have been used, they will continue to emit into your environment. Wow. Yeah, it's exactly right. And that, that varies. The more chemicals there are in there, obviously the more you'll have getting to your environment. And it's very similar to like smoke. Everyone knows when someone's smoking, it gets absorbed into everything and it smells for days. And if they've been smoking for a long time... You just can never get rid of the smells yeah. absorbed mm. into stuff. And it's similar with the chemicals. We get sensitised people where they get these couches or whatever, new home, and then they try and ventilate. And ventilating is the best thing you can do to just get all that chemical as it comes out, out to get yeah. it out. Um, but, yes, yeah, sometimes it can take time. It off-gasses quicker when it's hotter. Mm -hmm. okay. So some people will heat their homes or mm. build specifically so that it's new around summer so okay. that it off-gasses more in the heat and they don't have to close it up in winter I did not take know that, that all in. Mm. Um, and it happens more when it's humid. So if it's raining and there's a lot of moisture in the air, it off-gasses more, and then more when you have air passing over it, which is like ventilation. Those three things 
increase the off the off gassing. Mm-hmm. But a lot comes when you look at a product, you do your best. You look mm-hmm. at what's called a safety data sheet for that product and yep. they have to list the hazardous chemicals. Yep. But they don't have to list chemicals in there that are in very small proportions. Mm. Uh, There's always the exact, a way around it, isn't there? Proportion, but it's a small one percent or so too. But they can be chemicals that people are quite, you know, susceptible to and have issues with. So that's an issue. And they don't have to give you details on treatments. Like you say, if they treat it with a pesticide for all the bugs, they treat it with flame retardants are a big issue. Yep. A lot of stuff's flame retardant treated. Mm. Those create issues, you won't see that in your safety data sheet. Yeah. Wow. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So what are, I guess, the top three things that someone can do in a home that is established to enhance the living environment? Yeah, it's a good question. It can vary depending on the location. Okay. Some, you know, mm. can't do it, can do Well, let's say problem areas right now are maybe the Sydney. east coast of Australia that are absolutely copying it with, yeah. with the rain and the wet at right, the moment. Right. So what would be the key things for, so for give those? Because there's a lot of confusion around mould, particularly in a place like that. And what mm-hmm. do you do? It's just humid. Like, what do you do? People are too worried about opening their windows. So generally speaking, the answer to the question, number one, will be to open windows. If yep. you're not in a highly polluted area near freeways and industry and all that, just open windows and get fresh air exchange. Mm-hmm. just means the stale air goes out, mm-hmm. new air comes in. We know a lot of sensitive people who just keep the windows closed because the lawnmower can set them off or anything and just run air purifiers. And we found the air quality is not great. Because you're you, kind of just constantly recycling existing exactly. air. Exactly. You need an exchange of air to happen. Yep. Your air purifiers are great, but not 24-7 with the place completely closed Same way as a, a fan in the bathroom works. You need to have fresh air coming in for it to be able to well, extract. Well, the home needs to breathe. I think, I think every hour it needs to breathe for five minutes. I think you're supposed to open it up and then let the air out and then close it back up, especially in winter. Yeah. I think it's five or seven minutes per hour you're supposed to let the house breathe. Yeah, as much as you can, full exchange rates, yes. For exchange rates. But for your thermal capacity too, you've got your, it's only five or seven minutes, I think, an hour. Is that correct? Yeah, well, I don't know the exact yeah. number, but the amount of air exchanges per hour is usually what we talk about. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you try and get it to be... As building bodies, you want as many as possible yeah. because you want that air <laughs> coming yeah, in. You want all the time. going out all the time. But with Melbourne very, winter, Melbourne <laughs> winter, but we have energy efficient homes and there's a massive problem at the moment. Like if that's one thing you get out from this, it's like building really energy efficiently is great and sort of agree with it. We need to control things for energy. However. But you must ventilate. Yes. If they don't put in what I think should be standard are heat recovery ventilation systems. Mm-hmm. Very common in Europe for 50 years or us. But here you speak about it and they go, wow, that sounds amazing. And it's it's not. It's actually old technology. But it allows you to exchange air. So it pulls the air out of wet areas 24-7. So you will get the kitchen, the laundry, and the bathrooms all extracting. Mm-hmm. 
but not like when you turn extractor fan on. You can't mm. hear it. It's just very gentle. Mm. You have to put your hand up there to see, yes, it is extracting. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't create these drafts and things like that. Fresh air comes in everywhere else from outside, mm-hmm. but there's a heat exchanger there in between. So it just means that all that extraction that happens, the dust mite antigens and the water vapor and all that stuff's going out and mold, and what comes in from outside the heat is actually retained from the outgoing air through a heat exchanger. Wow. So when you do get the colder air, it transfers the heat to that fresh outdoor air mm-hmm. and you have a much nicer environment inside without heating at all. Wow. Wow. So it's not a heating system, but the way when you shower, you create a lot of heat. When yep. you're cooking, mm. exercising, breathing, it's Just having breath. bodies in the home. Mm. Yeah. Bodies in the home. So there's a lot of heat generated and this just helps you not lose that heat but dump out all the stale air. Okay, wow. so we've and got opening windows. Opening windows. We've got the is heat an exchange system. This is the first I heard about heat exchange. I'm yeah. intrigued. Yeah, Very heat recovery. That. <laughs> heat recovery ventilation. Like we go, how's it that, for everyone? It's like first time hearing it. Yeah. And it's like it's so common and old actually. Oh, but yeah. it's so new in Australia. It's I'm not write that as efficient. Down, get yeah, into selling these in Australia. <laughs> but your house has to be very well insulated for it to be effective. Okay. If you put an existing home. It's it would be working trickier. great. You're expecting too much. Yeah. You know, all the colds coming in through all yeah. gaps and cracks is not going to be effective. So, so we've crossed over then. So I guess we've got what, what could work in then New a newly old. built home yeah, and an old home. What would be the third thing that anyone could do in any home environment, whether it be established or being built, that you yep. would really push for? I think two things. One is taking your shoes off when you okay. come in before the home because people don't – they sort of forget when you've walked around – you may have gone into public toilets, you may have gone into, mm-hmm. you're on the road, you've gone into golf courses, you've gone into, you've walked through all sorts of pesticides and all sorts right. of monsters on the ground. Right, I never thought no. of it in terms and of that. And if you just take your shoes off, you just stop all that from coming right. in. So having a nice little room like mud rooms, you yep. know, where you come in and whatever, or if you, even if you don't, just a little rack or something. Yep. Not every single shoe, you can take your shoes off and then just put it in inside mm-hmm. where you put your shoes. But walking around mm. with all that, you can cut down on a massive load of stuff by just doing that. That's wow. amazing. Really simple yeah. thing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that one. And you I'd can say, see why I come home at the end of every healthy home shoot and I'm like, oh, my gosh, yeah, Raph was there today <laughs> and I learned this <laughs> and I learned that. Yeah, yeah. it's similar. That, that'll stop all the stuff, from, well, a lot of stuff from coming, coming in, in that's been dragged in everywhere. Uh-huh. Um, and then the, just the products you buy. Yes. Just being more mindful and yes. going... Now, if something's called an air freshener, it's an air freshener is if you open a window, not if you <laughs> yeah. get this conglomerate of chemicals if you're that spray into the air. If you bring a fake smell into the home, it is not good for you. Yeah, and those cleaning products, like we said before, the microfiber, yeah. cut down the cleaning products, okay. well-ventilated and shoes off at the door. Those few things will cut down enormously on stuff. There's obviously okay. a whole bunch of more, but those yeah. three will do a lot. Amazing. So I just want to have a quick conversation about the things that we did, for example, and I did consult with you at, at one point during our project about the adhesive we used on our floorboards, for example. Because we had hydraulic heating below it. We did. So yeah. there was going to be, you know, this heat reacting with whatever was there. And Dan was like, we're using this. And I'm like, no, we've gone to so much trouble in doing these things. And then so I contacted you, Raf, and you actually said, no, that that's actually the perfect thing to use. That's the best product you could use. Yep. So for us, we went with the known uh, lowest VOC paint available in Australia for the paint on our walls. We used so, a... So just on that, like the to the people out there, mm-hmm. how can paint affect me? Yeah, so paint's probably one of the biggest mm. indoor pollutants because it's painted on 
all the surfaces, yeah, yeah. generally walls and ceilings, mm. there's a, a just such a massive mix of chemicals that goes into paint. So the off-gassing from that mm. is enormous. Yeah. It can be confusing because sometimes odour suppressants can be put into paint. So they are low VOC. You don't smell that VOC, but they're not technically low in the chemicals that are in there. Mm -hmm. Not always, but that's possible. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of court cases going on in America about this VOC and low low VOC because the labelling is very confusing uh, in what you can call low Every single product has a different category of what it's regarded as low. So if we say that eight grams of VOC per litre in a corking um, is acceptable, but in paint only three is or whatever. Mm -hmm. Those aren't the correct numbers, but what I'm saying is every product has a certain level that's been industry decided upon in government, whatever, to try and say, okay, that's about as low as we can get, you know, and so that's low. Um, But... To some people, that's not low. So it's confusing, Mm -hmm. uh, the VOC thing. Um, And a lot of the time when they say no VOC, it's in the base. So when you buy that big white base, (laughs) that's no VOC but does not include the pigments because they don't know what colour you're doing. So the darker the colours, the higher the VOC content Ah. and the lighter the colours, generally the lower Lower. the content. So that... That low white base is is good. That's yep. why white pints don't have a lot. Mm-hmm. But the darker you go, then the higher the content. So finding a company that has their own pigment system, mm-hmm. that basically the pigments are also no or low VOC, mm-hmm. that's important. quite important because everything changes once you start squeezing in Colour. your that colors That is in there. a nugget. So do your research around not only paints and the bases, but the actual pigments that are going in to mix those. Okay, cool. So we've also used uh, lime, a little lime render in the home, which we know uh, helps the home environment breathe as well and and purifies the home's air. Um, We elected to put floorboards, engineered floorboards down, made by Story specifically, which um, we did a lot of research into their sustainability practices and, and the, the formaldehydes and whatnot that are going, that go into those. And there's, there's no added formaldehydes in that. The insulation, for example, that we put into the walls um, as well. Uh, the heating and cooling system, as I said, with its air filtration. So those things that we were able to do uh, for the living environment um, to help it breathe and help our experience, I guess. But the one thing, Raf, that I really wanted to just get a quick um, overview on, which you touched on earlier, was EMFs, because I feel like this is something that people are it's the, I think it's the next thing that people are going to be really mindful Explain of. Explain what an EMF is too. Electromagnetic field. Yep. So what is this and how is it going to affect someone in the average home, for example? So EMFs, are, it's a big one. Yes. Yeah, it is. And we've been called in a lot more for EMF and we have found that there are a lot more what we believe adverse health effects affecting people in indoor buildings because of it. Mainly it's because of the proliferation of, of wireless mm. because it's convenient and it's really nice. Mm. Uh, <laughs> you can just talk and say, play the song and do this <laughs> and, and whatever. But And you can be somewhere else and see what's going on at your house and, and so on. But I personally believe we're paying quite a big price for that um, in terms of our exposure. 
So younger kids mm. are a lot more susceptible because their skulls are much thinner, mm-hmm. a lot more chromosomal change taking place. So when someone is nursing a small baby and they have their mobile phone next to that baby's brain. Yeah. For us, that's a real problem. And the problem is that from a certain generation, they've been exposed from in utero. Mm. So there's laptops on pregnant bellies. Oh, you know, it's all wirelessly done and on the phone and that's all very close. And so from when they conceived, haven't even come into the world yet, there's a lot of exposure. And then their baby monitors put on. Mm-hmm. We're finding, you know, if I can say a short story about the baby monitors, because there was one particular case where a lady put her baby down the cot, always when she came in the morning found that it was on the other end of the cot, just always moved to the one oh. end, just curious why. So when we came in, didn't know anything about this, but did an audit and said, look, this baby monitor, just try to take that away. It's a very high field and it's on all the time, regardless Mm. of whether the noise is Mm. on and you're hearing it. So she did it and then she called us in tears the next day and said, I took that away, the baby monitor, and in the morning my baby was where I put it in the cot. It Mm. was moving away from the baby monitor. Wow. Yeah, so you can basically, when you're a child and like, a canary when you're a baby, you, you don't have all of that in mm. you yet, all the toxins and chemicals. Mm. Well, you know, some goes through breast milk and so We on, have no chemical generally, load. Mm. Generally, yeah, you ha- do have a chemical load and unfortunately in babies it's getting higher and higher. Because of what we are consuming. Because mm. what we're consuming, pass on to them. In fact, you can often tell how, how contaminated a population is by testing breast milk. Because wow. a lot of chemicals get deposited into adipose tissue and fat tissue and then the breast milk, a lot of the babies then get the breast milk, which is the best thing you can possibly give. But there's a lot of chemicals mm. in that uh, for whatever you, if you've had that load. Mm. If you haven't yeah. had the load, then it's not. So it's one thing. But yeah, going back to EMS, not sleeping behind meter boxes is probably the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Australia, having yeah. meter boxes behind bedheads is quite ridiculous. Yep. <laughs> so when we design homes, we say just put it onto the street next yep. to the post box, whatever. That's where your meter goes. Yep. You can have a switchboard or something up there, but run the mains on the garage side mm-hmm. and then go from there rather than everything on a bedhead. Tick for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah great. Because if you pull that plasterboard wall off yeah. where you put your bed up against and you saw everything there, you wouldn't put it up against it. No. Yeah. You don't see that. You just see a plasterboard painted wall. It's it, it creates all sorts of issues in my opinion. So that's one thing you can avoid and trying to cable in as much as yeah. you can. Yes, so. we are definitely a wireless world now. Um and it was something that I was very mindful of with our particular project. It is wireless, but was on my mind a yeah. lot. And there's, it's a hard thing because it's a lifestyle thing. Exactly. It's not just a choice like your whole lifestyle changes if mm. you go wireless or cable. So for us, for example, to give an idea of how, how we can possibly get around it. So I have twin boys. They, they're nine, identical twin boys. They're mm-hmm. nine now. So we don't have the teenagers and all that happening yet, which <laughs> is the trickiest with mobile phones and yep. connecting to friends and so on. But basically we say, look, don't walk around. They don't have phones and tablets yet, but we don't allow walking around on phones and tablets. Okay. So you say, if you want to look up something on the internet, there's your computer. Everything's cabled in using CAT 6A cables, so mm. it's shielded Ethernet cable and so on. Yep. Everything's cabled in. Everyone's got a computer. Everyone has fast internet. Don't sit on the couch and browse on a tablet. Just get up 
and go and sit on there and look up stuff you want to and then come and chat to us when you're on the couch mm. or doing something else. Not everyone with heads down and doing their thing because we we're not are connecting. failing at life, yeah, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we don't have not... chemicals in the home, but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's, that's just one way of doing it. So he's saying yeah. there's, your, there's your area. Be on the internet as much as yeah. you like. Connect and do whatever you want, but but that's the way to do it. So if you can connect more, stay away from the par, yeah. the, the meter boxes, power lines. Just be aware there are little substations and mm-hmm. power lines. Oh, yeah. If they're underground, it's a lot better. Yeah. If they're above ground and you build a double story, mm-hmm. that can affect you a lot more because you're just physically closer to that line, and, mm-hmm. and that can cause issues in time. I believe phone towers very different to control. They popping up like mushrooms yeah. everywhere on every lamppost and so on. Yeah. So yeah. it's difficult, but yes, those are it, – it's a it's a major issue, but not an easy one to fix because everything's going the wildest way, not the other way. Mm. It's fascinating. You know, it I think is. we could do a full I could talk to you all this. day, Raph, <laughs> and I'm always getting told off when I shoot about talking to you too much. Thank you yeah. so much yeah, for coming nice. in. We could seriously do an entire podcast yeah. series on building biology. That was amazing. I learnt more today. Same. Yeah. <laughs> Before we go, Raph, I just wanted to ask you one question. Um, we kind of do a little bit of a um, sustainability or a cool scenario type um, theme with our guests, and I wanted to understand if there's what's been the most exciting from either a sustainability standpoint or the difference that you've been able to make um, to someone's life in your business. Oof. Yeah, <laughs> on the spot. Um, you know, everyone wants to get a story that's a whole new build. And mm-hmm. you know, there are lots of those where mm-hmm. the whole new build and the family feels fantastic and so on. But really, to be honest, um, from a sustainability point of view, yeah, from a health point of view, that's different. You make mm. very big changes to people by just moving them away from a meter box or whatever. Mm. Yep. I deal with a lot of tears, unfortunately. So tears of joy and and. Yeah, depressive stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, you can make a huge difference in someone's life by doing these things health-wise. In terms of sustainability, I think one of the biggest differences is being involved on a commercial level mm-hmm. because they there have been a lot of changes in the industry where you have to now have E0 or E1 mm-hmm. uh, apply, for example, mm-hmm. uh, or their MDFs and so on. Mm. Uh, yep. You used to have to pay a lot to do that. Yep. And that's because of all the awareness and what we keep talking about yep. in terms of chemicals, not just us, it's mm-hmm. all sorts of people. But to be honest, I think that's the best thing because people won't make the decisions themselves. But if that's all they've got to purchase, then that's that's fantastic. So we need to work on a level where you're going, no, these are the materials. The and baseline much things the baseline. are the best for you. Mm. Exactly right. Like yeah. that's, I know you wanted a whole story. I don't have a big story. There were too many. No, I don't know which one to choose. Perfect. But, but in terms of saying, yeah, work on that level. Yep. And the more we do it, the more cases we had a mattress, for example, where someone reacted and just their lips blew up and face and their kid and she was distraught and so on. We went and tested very high formaldehyde levels. They were from overseas mm-hmm. that came in. And when we tested the levels, they were enormous. Wow. Um, and they were mould affected. There was water on the, on, on the container ship and so on. Perfect storm. But changing that meant that the company actually had no idea that it was a problem. And it sells an enormous amount of mattresses in Australia. <laughs> and they had no idea. And basically when they found out, they said, right, they stopped all orders. They said they're already a lot on the water, obviously. And we got 
them in warehouses, but they let those off gas. They let the ones come. They let them off gas. And then they stopped and then they demanded a formaldehyde-free mm-hmm. um, mattress manufacturer that they got certificates. And so from then on, wow. all these mattresses that people are going on buying wouldn't have a clue. They sell a lot at you know, big, big stores and mm. they now don't have the formaldehyde. So if there's a big story, that's maybe one of them. But it's, yeah. on, it's on that same, same level. You are changing the world. Yeah. <laughs> changing only, how only, people only live. A little bit, only one. These things help. What you do helps a lot. Yeah. Education. It's got education, educate. exactly. Mm. Helping the world one less formaldehyde mattress at <laughs> yeah. a time. That's right. <laughs> uh, Raf, thank you so, thank you. so Amazing. much for coming in today. That was just brilliant. Thanks again for joining us on All Manner of Things. We'll see you next time. 